Out There Media Group presents Out There Radio, a weekly journey into the world of the occult, conspiracy theories, counterculture, and the bizarre undercurrents of the human psyche. It's Out There with your hosts, Raymond Wiley and Austin Gandy. Welcome to another edition of Out There Radio, sponsored by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash outthereradio to download a free audiobook. My name is Raymond Wiley, and it is a great day to be doing a podcast. I am currently not in the studio with our occult master of a co-host, Austin Gandy, but he shall appear in a segment that we'll get to here in just a minute after I introduce the show. So... Uh, yeah, we're back again, and it hasn't been a bunch of months this time. It's been a mere matter of weeks, and uh, we've been getting a lot of emails from you guys about our most recent episode about the Slender Man. Uh, we've been really enjoying your feedback and appreciate how cool you are with us continually coming back and doing podcasts for you every couple of months, uh, and sometimes, uh, with a long break in between. Anyway, we have a short episode of the show for you guys today. It's kind of a rush job, and part of that is because the artists we're going to be talking to today have got a like Indiegogo campaign going. It's kind of like it's Kickstarter or something like that. It's a crowdfund, and they're doing a stage play of Robert Anton Wilson's Cosmic Trigger and it's also got biographical elements about Robert Anton Wilson's life. So for you guys who are interested in the Illuminatus trilogy, uh, counterculture literature of the 1970s, and all of the cool stuff that goes along with that, this is going to be an interesting episode. And also the first episode we've ever done where we are talking about theater, right? Uh, we've talked about movies, we've talked to filmmakers, We've talked to other authors and people who do shows. Now we're talking to some folks who are doing a play. So without further ado, here's our interview with Stephen Pratt, the musical director of the Robert Anton Wilson Cosmic Trigger stage play, and with Daisy Aris, the director of the play, Daisy Aris Campbell, that is. And uh, she's directed and written the play as well, and they've got a lot of great stuff to say. And a continuing discussion about the life of Robert Anton Wilson one of our favorite authors and a person who, though they are gone, we will never forget. So we'll be right back. How's it going, folks? You guys enjoying this episode of Out There Radio? God knows I am. It's your co-host Raymond Wiley here, and I'm feeling extra good today. I mean, I guess it's always a good day when a podcaster and an advertiser come together. And that's what this moment is all about, folks. That's right. Audible is the Internet's largest provider of audiobooks. More than 70,000 titles, and they have been so kind as to sponsor our show this week, and we want to tell you all about their service. So go to audiblepodcast.com slash outthereradio, sign up for a free trial of the Audible audiobook service, 
Download yourself a free audiobook, perhaps a copy of Robert Anton Wilson's Illuminatus Trilogy. I know it's there because I have downloaded it myself. Let's not forget Cosmic Trigger as well, folks. And the works of people like Timothy Leary, Terrence McKenna, and others. You can probably find some of that stuff there as well. And why? Well, because there's 70,000 titles. So even if some of that stuff isn't there, you're going to have plenty to listen to. And, uh, you know, if you're like me and you like a long car ride, it's a great way to uh, pass the time uh, while you're sitting in traffic. So don't forget that link, audiblepodcast.com slash radio. Welcome back. We are joined here in the studio today with uh, one old friend and one new friend. We've got my buddy Stephen Pratt on the line from Amsterdam, and we've got Daisy Aris here from the UK somewhere. Daisy, where are you broadcasting? In I'm, I'm in London at the moment. <laughs> great. Well, it's great to have you guys today, and you guys are working on a Cosmic Trigger Robert Anton Wilson stage play. And this is That's exciting right. stuff, and we wanted to talk to you guys about that because we are big fans of Raw here, and we've we've done episodes about him before, and he's just such a huge influence on our technique in going about studying weird things that we had to have you guys on. So tell us a little bit about the play. Okay, yeah, well, it's um, it was kind of inspired by the fact that my father, Ken Campbell, staged Illuminatus uh, kind of 35 years ago, and the, the winds, uh, the ill winds of synchronicity were starting to blow up again. Um, he died five years ago, sadly, and, of course, we're all passed, and there was this kind of wave of synchronicity that hit me of, you know, is it time to put on Illuminatus again? And I kind of wanted to take the whole thing forward somewhat. And I and I thought, well, you know, the obvious next step um, is the book that he wrote after co-writing Illuminatus, Cosmic Trigger. And then I was reminded that that's, in fact, dedicated to my to my dad in the Science Fiction Theatre of Liverpool that originally staged Illuminatus. And that on page 223, he writes about actually coming over to the National Theatre to see the show because it ended up um, opening one of the theatres at the National Theatre in the UK, that Illuminatus production. And uh, and meeting my dad and my mum, my parents met as a result. I was conceived backstage. <laughs> my middle name became Eris as a result because my mother had been playing Eris, goddess of chaos and confusion. The whole thing was kind of written in the stars. There was no running away from it, to be honest. And once I got to work and started to announce what I was up to, thinking that there'd be this sort of tiny niche of people who might vaguely raise an eyebrow and think it was an amusing thing to do, uh, I've just been swept along by this incredible wave of enthusiasm from all quarters. And um, and so, you know, this, this beast is happening, basically, yeah. So so describe the beast to us. What what are you trying to achieve with the play? What's it what like? What I'm you know? achieve is partly, it was a kind of a balancing act of, of celebrating, of an opportunity for those of us who've known and loved Raw and his work for a long time to get together and celebrate it and enjoy it and enjoy all the in-jokes and all the little nods to the cognoscenti and also an opportunity for these guys to bring their mates who've never heard of Raw and his works and that they could be turned on to this stuff as well. So that was kind of the, the balancing act that I was attempting to achieve. 
Um, and I also just, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be able to, to show the joyous kind of wonder that was the Illuminatus production without getting sucked down that particular rabbit hole. I wanted to focus more on, on Wilson and, and his life story and, you know, the fact that he was hanging out with Timothy Leary and Burroughs and Alan Watts and all these kind of counterculture heroes at this extraordinarily fertile time. I really wanted to get that side of it across. So I struck on this idea that, you know, as they're writing Illuminatus, then they can actually go into scenes from the play and then who should shout out from the stalls but my father, Ken Campbell, right, hold it there, and then suddenly we're backstage in Liverpool. And so there's this kind of, it ends up with these these layers of reality, which I thought was very, um, was kind of in keeping with Bob's ideas anyway. Right, very so much that's... in keeping with the way he told his stories with kind of <laughs> exactly. onion layers, right? So yeah. I can see definitely where this kind of wellspring of uh, of synchronicity could come from with people remembering Raw and remembering that work and remembering Illuminatus and remembering uh, that these kind of stand as like uh, very much pieces of their time that connect us to this fertile movement and these these thinkers and writers and musicians too coming together and and making um, making these these events where they crossed over. But if you had to explain to somebody who had never encountered Illuminatus or the work of Raw, how would you, how do you sell the Illuminatus production that you guys are putting on? How, what, what, what would you describe it to, to, I'm sorry, Cosmic Trigger? Um, if you were, if you were selling that like right out the box to somebody who had no idea what you were talking about, it's a hard thing to do, right? It is quite a hard thing to do. I mean, one of the things I focus on is the current, significance and importance of his ideas of agnosticism you know this kind of multi-model agnosticism where you can actually consider um all the the interesting strange paranormal kind of events that happen but with a, a rational viewpoint on them and i just think at this time when everyone's become sort of so split into those that have any kind of you know spiritual beliefs for want of a better phrase and those that are absolute fundamentalist materialists or atheists his is such a, a, a humble stance, as he says. It's the only honest and humble stance. What do I really know? You know, it's uh, to be agnostic. Um, so that that theme for me is really important for our time, I think. So that's one of the things that I kind of talk about. And I also talk about the fact that it's essentially a, a, the story of a man's... Um, kind of spiritual emergency, as, you know, Stanislav Groff might say. It's, you know, his journey through Chapel Perilous um, as he encounters, you know, mysticism and occultism and conspiracy theory uh, and kind of weaves together his own personal um, path through all that landscape with such humour. You know, that's right, and always the skeptical really lens that's so humorous and insightful, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's kind of where I come from. But, you know, to be honest, a few eyes glaze. There's no right. doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the characters a bit and the process of creating some of these characters for the stage. You've mentioned a number of counterculture figures on top of Robert Anton Wilson. Um, are they characters in the play as well? Do we Do we have... And was it a challenge to write them? Was it a what Timothy Leary and William Burroughs and yes, Crowley? Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, for those scenes, they 
it, well, yeah, there was sometimes a challenge. I mean, the Leary scenes are very well well written in the book. I mean, they're all well written, but in terms of there's actually a lot of dialogue in those particular scenes from the book, which there isn't generally. I mean, the book is kind of more philosophical track than kind of any, the narrative. So it was definitely a challenge um, kind of p- pulling through that nar- narrative element. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But... Um, yeah, so Le- so Leary kind of came through. The others, yeah, I sort of I researched them and let them come through. And the way I did it, in fact, was there were some scenes that just scared the tits off me because it was, um, <laughs> they were they were difficult. And it's not like I've got an encyclopedic knowledge like like Wilson had by any means. So what I what I took to doing was just writing on index cards, kind of every scene or every little bit or every change or every exchange that I needed to kind of cover and then shuffling them and pulling them at random um (laughs) just to kind of attempt to cut through some of the the kind of the fear about about getting these um these trickier bits written but it sort of flowed and it's come together and it it will change as we go through the rehearsal process as the um brilliant actors who are starting to come on board they're kind of pulling it you know making it their own and getting it off the page so um yeah it seems to be coming together awesome now You've got an Indiegogo campaign going. Yeah. It's just a few days left, getting close to your funding goal. What's that been like? Because we hear, we hear people talk about it constantly. Oh, I want to have a Kickstarter. Oh, I want to have an Indiegogo. And you've, you've gone there and had some success. I mean, apparently had some success with it so far. Like I said, you guys are close to your funding goal, and we're hoping that out there listeners will help you kind of bump it up and get over the top. Yeah, yeah. What's I it? think what's um, what's helped us because I mean, you know, we've asked for consider we've asked for twenty three thousand, um, twenty three being a significant number for Discordians everywhere. So some of your listeners will understand why. But we asked for twenty three thousand, which for a theatre show is is a lot to ask for because of course generally people, you know, a film at least you know you can you can kind of get to see it, whereas a theatre show that's in a lo- local place, it's a harder ask. But of course we had. Um, we had the love of, of Bob really on our side and we also have, you know, some really kind of amazing perks on our side as well. I mean, there was sort of an interview done with Bob Shea and Bob Wilson backstage at the Roundhouse by one of the actors in the original production that nobody's ever heard. It's just been sat in his loft for the last 35 years, you know. So we were able to kind of pull out these incredible old um, bits from the archive and, and make them available as perks, which I think has kind of allowed it to um, to kind of go beyond the scope of, of those that might actually get to see the production. Yeah, so it's 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 been a yeah it's a it's a bit of a roller coaster. It's it's hard work. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And, and so, just in case people are interested in helping to fund you guys, where will it be staged in London? So it launches in Liverpool amidst a whole kind of festival of Bob. This has been Perfect. part of the kind of characteristic of this whole caper is that we cannot stop the bloody thing growing. So um, so I can't even remember at what point it was mooted that it should be an entire festival. Um, but um, that is now what's happening. And it's we're calling it the Find the Others Festival. So I don't know if you remember, you know, this quote of Timothy Leary's. He was asked, you know, well, what do you do after you've turned on, tuned in and dropped out and Leary said you've got to find the others so this is the find the others festival this is the opportunity to find those others uh, and there's going to be you know all sorts of um talks and film showings and bands and every and all this kind of stuff all inspired by um bob and his and his work and his teachings 
Uh, so that's happening in Liverpool. The reason being that the original production launched in Liverpool and the reason that production launched in Liverpool was because of a dream that Carl Jung had uh, in which he realised that Liverpool was the pool of life. And this uh, this particular dream set in motion this um, chain of synchronicities that um, that culminated in uh, a, a, liver, a local Liverpudlian finding the spot, he believed, of Jung's dream, even though Jung had never actually been to Liverpool, um, calling my dad, saying, right, you've got to come and put on a show here on this spot, because <laughs> this is the site of Jung's most important dream. At which point my dad went along to a bookshop to see if he could find something to adapt and saw... A, a book with a yellow submarine on the front and uh, this place where Jung's dream was was about two minutes away from where the Beatles first performed so that was the first uh, thought and then he remembered that the dream of Jung's had been written about on page 223 of Memories, Dreams, Reflections and so he, um, so he decided to test the book and so when he turned to 223 who should be mentioned but Carl Jung um, and now um, those who are alert to these things will notice that the uh, the trip, when Bob writes about the trip to London to meet my dad and come and, uh, and, and see the show at the National Theatre in Cosmic Trigger, he writes about it on page 223. So there was never really any doubt that we had to take this thing back to Liverpool to, to start it and then we'll transfer to London for a, for a run after that. You know, it's funny that this is all going on. You know, right as the uh, it's, they're doing all this anniversary stuff around Magical Mystery Tour in that film this year, and you can almost imagine this is your final destination <laughs> on the Magical Mystery Tour. Right. Totally. That's such a dizzying, maddening series of incredibly compelling justifications for using Liverpool. Yes, absolutely, and it, it <laughs> it's it's really pleasing too. I remember, you know, in the the Illuminatus trilogy books, also the the kind of climactic scenes occur around a musical festival, which I guess brings us to a question about music's role within the production too. Um, it seems that you know this this is a, a a production about a time and about a place, but it's also occurring now in a time where music festivals and outdoor festivals are kind of um, experiencing a sort of renaissance of in and of themselves. So, Stephen, can you tell us a little bit about the relationship of music to this production? Well, yes. I mean, uh, I was approached by, uh, by Daisy and quickly got to see the script, which is incredible and has, what can we say, at least... Uh, eight songs with lyrics that are already composed and yeah I was put to task to uh, envision the soundscape and environments for these uh, already the character of Alistair Crowley is playing the accordion so <laughs> <laughs> worth uh, the price of admission right there uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's in inquire within of course <laughs> uh, are you playing live or have you recorded stuff for this both. I will be playing live, but I've recorded some parts um, that I was with the cast um, just last week, and we went through uh, one of the songs that I've put together based upon Timothy Leary and Bob's Eight Circuits of Consciousness. What's it like being sort of the expatriate coming home <laughs> in this situation, right? Because you live in Amsterdam. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later, but, um, you know, it's, it seems like you've it's almost like a homecoming for you because you're from that part of the country. Is that correct? You're sort of the north. 
Well, it's great. I mean, to come home, usually, um, the, you know, there's been a small bunch of um, maybe logicians from the Maybe Logic Academy who um, have had a meeting annually over about the last seven or eight years. So other than those characters, um, you know, the raw heads that I've found have been quite few and far between. And uh, now all of a sudden it's like this, there's a bit of a raw renaissance, renaissance <laughs> happening. Um, so, yeah, it's quite liberating to come back and be working on projects that involve Robert Anton Wilson and his works as a central part. Um, and then even more interesting to get to jam and hang out with you know characters like Daisy who of course have uh, produced a, an entire script for the stage based on a book that uh, you know we've read numerous times excellent excellent Daisy do you want to talk a little bit about the casting and anybody we or anybody in the British theater that that uh, we may have heard of going to be in the show or anybody on the crew that we might want well, to shout out well, I mean, you, you, you may not have heard of these guys. It's It's been Discordian casting. Oh, uh, that's even better, if you course, ask me. You know, these, it's people who are in the right place at the right time, basically. Um, it's also, I mean, Oliver Senton, who we um, we have as Rob Anton Wilson, I mean, he's an absolute tour de force, and he played... Uh, the central character in The Warp, the world's longest play that I um, that I directed uh, a while back. So that's a 24-hour-long play about the whole kind of counter rise of the counterculture in the UK. And the part of Phil Masters, the main guy that Oliver Senton played, is, it's reckoned, eight and a half times Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> so the man is an acting machine. He's, he's brilliant. And... Um, so he very quickly came on board as um, as Wilson himself, and he's just kind of becoming. He's embodying him more and more each time we uh, each time we meet. It's fantastic. And then quite early on, I we got um, we got a kind of message through from Alan Moore, the um, the incredible sort of comics artist, legend, magician, etc. Um, the beard himself to say that uh, we could come and interview him, even though he sort of stopped doing interviews really at this point. But we came, and then he agreed that he would voice um, Fuck Up, the world's most intelligent computer, um, and sort of narrate all sorts of, um, you know, be the voice of Chapel Perilous, etc., etc. So, um, so we've got him wonderfully as has come on board. And um, did, now, did you get to go and record on site with him, or did he just he sent you some recordings? No, family. no, we went and met him, did a whole... Oh, that's amazing. The perks, boys and girls. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. now, so we have three people on on this call right now who have uh, who have interviewed Alan Moore now. Is that right? Stephen, <laughs> Stephen, when are you going to catch up, brother? We got <laughs> to get you on with him, so... But, Jesus, yeah. that man can talk or what? Yeah, I've tell never met him. Like well, that's it. the thing is, if you establish rapport, if you have some rapport with him and everything's nice, and you want to talk about what he wants to talk about, yeah, it's he's great. But There's don't don't, don't cross him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. So um, so tell us two things, right? One, and I kind of got to this earlier. A lot of folks out there interested in things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. What would you tell a person interested in doing that after going through this experience? After going through that experience, I would say um, make sure that the project that you're doing has, you know, has a wider connection um, with with a lot of people beyond just sort of you doing a lovely project and your friends. I think the Bob factor for us has been like incalculable, and 
and then you know make sure that you you ask for a reasonable amount and you just slog away every day at it and certainly don't think this is an easy um you know this is easy money because it, 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 it ain't at all <laughs> but you guys have definitely tapped into something that was waiting to emerge yeah, right you know we've to be honest i've just followed weird magical signs to do this project so in fact the whole reason it's a crowdfund just quickly is because you know, the last scene of the play is, in fact, outside of the scope of the Cosmic Trigger book. And it's Bob when he's a really old man and he starts to get these these checks through the post for twenty three dollars. And he doesn't know what's going on. So he goes and consults his laptop and realizes that that someone, in fact, it turned out to be Douglas Rushkoff, had put out put out word um, that he was, you know, very impoverished, was struggling with his medical bills and needed um people to send him $23. It said, if Bob Wilson changed your life, send him $23 now. And that was literally the last line of the play. But it wasn't until sort of, you know, a month or so later that my partner said to me, isn't the clue of how to fund this contained within the last scene? So it's that's why we started the crowdfund. So, you know, that for me, this is uh, this is a sort of act of magic more than anything else. And it's as as Alan Moore said in the interview, high magic is when you don't have a clue what you're doing, and that's what we're engaged that's in. Here. That's awesome. That's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> okay, so if you'll allow us, me and Austin, let's give him a minute of like PBS telethon dialogue. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. Ladies and gentlemen, out there, listeners, this is an important crossroads in the history of art. The Robert Anton Wilson stage play, the Cosmic Trigger stage play, has to stay on the air. And it's because of the contributions of, of viewers like, like you, you. <laughs> that that this kind of stuff gets off the ground. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you think, Austin? If you if you have ever found yourself wondering what are my eight neurological circuits and how do I navigate them, this, this is the time to call in. We have wonderful rewards for callers who call within the next five minutes. We will... Fast track you along the quantum, <laughs> the quantum circuits. Right. Yes. If you are a fan of counterculture, nonfiction, uh, marijuana, and blowjobs, then you are <laughs> then you are a kindred spirit of Robert Anton Wilson, and you need to give some money to this play. Mm-hmm. And they don't have far to go, guys. But they also don't have too many days to go yet. Right now, we're recording this July the first, two thousand fourteen. How long do you have left to go, guys? We finish um, on July the fourth. So we're coming right down to the right wire, to folks. to the wire. So, and they need your help. So hopefully I can get this sucker on the RSS feed here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Daisy, it's been great talking to you today. Pleasure. I'm back. Still alone in the studio, unfortunately, but that was such a nice interview, and, and Austin was present for it. I don't think I'll give him too hard of a time. This time. Are you listening, Austin? Anyway, uh, check out CosmicTriggerPlay.com for more information, and we'll also have the link to the Indiegogo campaign uh, for the play up on our website when this is published. So, don't forget that July 4th, 2014 is the last day of the campaign, and these folks need you. Anyway, my name is Raymond Wiley. I'll be back uh, probably early August 
with Austin Gandy and another episode of Out There Radio. We've got plenty to talk about, and feel free to send us suggestions if you think you've found something of particular interest. Our email address is outthereradio at gmail.com. Our website, outthereradio.net. And, of course, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and all that stuff. We always love to interact. So see you next time. You have been listening to Out There Radio. For more information or to access premium episodes, please visit us online at outthereradio.net.